Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. So Father, this morning we welcome Pastor John and Jane here with us this morning, and we welcome what you desire to do through them here this morning. We receive them, Father, as you send them, apostolic messengers, prophetic messengers to this spiritual family. So we open our hearts to you and for all that you will do and speak through them. We commit them to you, Father God. Pray for John this morning as he preaches. Give him unction. Give him boldness. Uh, May your anointing rest upon him this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, thank you for the privilege. It's always a privilege to be given a, an opportunity to speak in the pulpit of, a, of another church. So, yeah, we, ha- we have about, I guess, 45 or so relationships within our cluster of churches. And, um, and of course, Andreas and... Are we doing? No? We're good. We're good? We'll amplify you a little bit more. Oh, okay. Not, not shouting at me. No, no. Okay. No. <laughs> All right, but it's been wonderful to have known Andreas and Christella for many years now and just honor that relationship. It goes back to a time when I was still in the medical profession, I think. And Andreas, you used to visit Port Elizabeth. Yes. On and your way to Bishu. On your way to Bishu. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, we still have one of the ladies that you ministered to in Alpha and Omega there. Yeah. She's still, in, still at harvest. So we've been there in, in the church. I would have been on eldership there for 40 years. And as Andreas said, we've, um, we've, we've walked together. A, uh, a, sorry, as, as Michael said, we've walked, away, walked together a long time. And um, I, I have had special moments in this church with you. And I just feel, I feel like what the Lord would say to you this time around. And, and I think it comes on out of the basis of, much like I feel in some ways with my Christian walk at times disillusioned, disappointed, uh, let down by Christians, let down because we were expecting something and, you know, we've had all kinds of prophetic words and stuff that's happened over the years. And honestly, back in the 70s and 80s, we lived in Amazing revival times. We just didn't really understand it or know it. But back in those, those years, the charismatic renewal, as it was called, it swept more people into the kingdom of God, I think, than any other movement has. And we were, you know, you think it's always going to be like that. And then in the 90s, we had the experience of what, what became called the Toronto Blessing, but what the folk there called Father's Blessing. And, I mean, we had the most amazing, amazing times of revival where people were touched so powerfully by the Holy Spirit. We had two, <clears throat> two of the men in our church got gold teeth. We used to have the gold dust on our hands. We had someone come out from the States once, and, and the most incredibly aromatic oil would come out of his fingers. And it was, there were years of, of remarkable presence of God. And, just, and then as we came out of the 90s and into the the 2000s, it's like that all dried up. And I feel like we've been in a very dry season since then. Certainly I've walked in, in dryness, expectant, waiting for the next revival. Now, 
I think it's coming. I do. I think wherever I go, wherever I, whatever I hear, I'm hearing people say, and I've, I've preached the same thing. Um, I, I have a real sense that we are in the beginnings of, and we're hearing it. You'll hear little pockets of things that have happened in, either in America or somewhere. Um, I, I heard last week in, in Nicaragua, which is one of the toughest regions in the world, uh, there, were a, there was an American evangelist who partnered with somebody there, and they got special permission from the president of Nicaragua to run uh, crusades. And over a million people, I think there the, the only seven million people in Nicaragua, and, and over a million people came through their crusades last year. You know, it's just like, wow, how did that happen? And I think God is busy doing something. But as I was waiting on the Lord and just you know, asking Him for, for the word for Alpha and Omega today, uh, I was sharing with the leaders yesterday, I, I just felt the Lord said, prepare for influx. I, I think you're going to have an influx of people coming into this local congregation. And I, I, don't, I didn't sense it was going to be a flood, you know, like suddenly it's going to overwhelm everybody. I think it's going to, it won't be a trickle, it will be a, it will be a flow. And I just felt the Lord said that as a congregation, you need to prepare your hearts for that. It's not always comfortable when people who come in from outside, particularly people who don't know Jesus and don't behave the way we do or, or, or you do, and they come into the midst and they start, you know, they mess it up. Um, <laughs> and, and the reality is we need, to be, we need to have hearts that are open. And so I just want to, want to say that to you right up front and say to you, have hearts that are open to receiving you know, new believers, new, new folk into the, into the congregation who, may need, um, who may, need, may need a lot of tension, may need a lot of help, may need to be welcomed in. Um, but, but enough for that for now. I, I have a... Um, I just... Let me just get rid of this thing there. I have a sense at the end of the at the end of the meeting we needed us to do something prophetic as as we were in worship I just felt we would do that but we'll get to that the message though that I want to share with you is is really from someone who you know I came to know Jesus when I was a, a young boy 6 or 7 I guess so it's it's well over 50 50 years now um Funny, when you turn into the next decade, it's amazing how quickly the next year goes. So, you, know, you think you're going to be that decade forever. <laughs> so, suddenly I'm nearly 71 now, so it's quite scary next month. Um, but you look back, you start looking back at life, and I realize that there have been a lot of disillusionments, a lot of disappointments and things. But I wanted to share with you today a message that has helped me to go through both the high moments and the low moments and be able to face it all head on and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my faith in Jesus Christ cannot be rocked, it cannot be shaken. A couple of weeks ago, um, towards the end of last year, I was, I was lecturing at a leadership school. We, we, we run a, um, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a home for kind of homeless people and there are probably over 400 people in the uh, in this place called Vistaris. 
<clears throat> and once a year they do a leadership school for those who are emerging as leaders there who would help them to look after everybody else in this. So it's, a, it's a massive organization. They do all kinds of upliftment stuff there as well in Port Elizabeth. <clears throat> and um, I, I, was, I was teaching the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the students in that school uh, I was, we were doing a thing on prophecy. They always get me to, in to come and teach on prophecy, and I did the teaching, and then I prophesy over each of the students. And I got to this one guy, and um, you know, I, I don't know how all of this works other than that there's a God in heaven, okay? But uh, I, I just, I, why I asked him, I, I just said to him, and you know, somebody who's on a leadership school, you expect they're born again. Why did I say to him, I just looked at him, I said, oh, are, you, are you born again? And he shook his head. And I thought, how on earth did you get into leadership school? Anyway, his wife was a Christian, and they're living in the, in the center, so obviously they invited him in. I said, well, don't you think it's about time you gave your life to Jesus? And he said, yes. And so I, I just, you know, we just, he, he'd heard the message, obviously he knew what he needed to do. So I, I led him in a prayer, and he gave his life to Jesus, and then he began to sob and sob. So much so I got someone to take him out and just, you know, just pray with him and, and counsel him and whatever, and I carried on. But as I, just before I went on with the meeting, I just, I said to the folk, what, what was that all about? You know, what? And they said, oh, he, he, he's, a, he's a Muslim. And I oh, God, what have I done? Uh, because he's now going to have to face his family and they are going to be devastated. Um, and not only that, he's going to be excluded from his family. And I know what's happened. We've worked in Kenya with, where Muslims have, been, have actually been killed because of converting to, to Christianity. And so it's very tough. But I remembered something then which, which has become the foundation of what I want to share with you today. And that goes back to a moment I had with Floyd McClung, it's years ago now. Floyd's gone to be with the Lord, as you probably know, many of you. He was with, with uh, YWAM for many years, lived here in the Cape, and then passed away a couple of years ago. But Floyd McClung said to me, he was in Saudi Arabia once, and he was there by invitation of a businessman who asked him to please come and talk to businessmen about biblical business. But he had to be careful because they were all Muslims. But the guy who in, invited him set them in a circle, and I think there were four or five businessmen, and then Floyd and this other, you know, this businessman who had converted. He was, you know, what, the, what one would call an MBB, a Muslim background believer. And he had given his life to Jesus, but the other businessman had not. And so you're in Saudi Arabia. It's a pretty tough environment in terms of being a Christian within that. And he said to the other men, he said, I just want to introduce you. This is Floyd McClung. He's a Christian, actually. Um, but I just want you to know that he's a follower of Jesus. He, he said, and then, he, he said, and, and, uh, and he said I, I'm, I'm actually a Muslim, but, um, but you need to know that I have become a follower of Jesus. And so that's why I wanted to just share with you some thoughts out of that today, because I think there has, there has become a difference between someone who calls himself a Christian and someone who's a follower of Jesus. Um, in our census a little while back, 85%, 85% of South Africans 
wrote in their next to religion, Christian. And I think it was probably a case of, well, I'm not Buddhist, I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, Muslim, um, I'm not Hindu, uh, you know, prob- there probably is a God, let's just write down Christian. But are they truly followers of Jesus? And that's going to be my question to you this morning. Are we, are we truly following Jesus? Or are we simply, you know, ticking the boxes and attend church on Sunday, do the stuff, and then live life as if it actually doesn't matter. And I think it's a huge challenge. I, it, it really is. It's challenged me as I've been spending time thinking about it. And I don't think it should. I don't think there should have been that difference between calling yourself a Christian and being called a follower of Jesus. But once you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, it puts a twist on it or a, it, uh, so it puts another level on it, which I think makes... In some ways, it makes me scared because I don't know that I've always been a good follower of Jesus. So much of my life, I've probably done my own thing. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it says that we need to take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. That's, that's what he said. It's the following of Jesus. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself which is hard enough, and then and take up his cross, which is harder. But then he says, you know, doing that daily, follow me. And, um, and then a little bit later in the next, you know, chapters later, Luke 14, 27, he says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Just, he cannot be my disciple. That's a, that's a challenging statement. We had a funny incident. Thought I'd just share it with you. Um, last year we were visiting family. Our youngest daughter. We have four children. They're all serving the Lord Jesus. We have nine grandchildren. Four. The, the um, our youngest daughter and her husband were called as worship leaders in a church plant uh, into to the United States. And we were visiting them last year. And um, our youngest, well, he's sec- our second youngest grandchild. He's named after me, little John. You see, he. He, when we arrived a couple of nights later, he was being a little bit, uh, as we say in, in South Africa, you know, he was, he was being a little bit, uh, little bit show-offy. So he, on his way to bed that night, uh, Denise, our daughter, says to him, John, I, I think you were showing off a little bit tonight with Granny and Grandpa here, and, I, and, I, and you're just being a little bit sassy. It, was, it really wasn't very nice. A bit ugly to do that. And Denise says the tears just popped out of his eyes like this and began to run down his cheeks. And he said, oh, mommy, when will I ever learn to pick up my cross and follow Jesus? (laughs) And (laughs) he's eight years old, by the way, (laughs) eight years old. But it got me thinking a little, and and I'm still working on it, because I remembered years ago reading a book on spiritual disciplines. And, you know, all of the, the, the spiritual disciplines of fasting, praying, reading your Bible, quiet times, all of this stuff. And I realized how much of that I have never got right. And I'm going to share with you and be brutally honest with you about my own life this morning because I trust it will help you to come to the point where I believe we need to be 
coming to you this morning as I felt God wanted us to. Um, and I, I feel like I, I just, I'm still working on it. And I feel like little John, you know, oh God, when am I ever going to get those things right? Um, and I, I know you've, you folk don't have that problem, but where I come from, I have that problem. Um, and I think sometimes, maybe depending on our personality or where we come from, we have this sense that if we can just tick the boxes, then it's okay. So if you got up and had your quiet time, read your Bible, prayed, did what it was, attended church on Sunday, then I can get on with life. And, and I, I, I'm challenging that today. Challenging that because I think Jesus wants us to follow him. He wants us to hear what he wants us to do that day and not just tick the boxes. Because it's, it's, as I said, I, I've, I've not been good at ticking the boxes, but I have come to value the following of Christ daily and listening for his voice and, and trying to be obedient to that. So, and I'm sure it's of great value to do the religious things, you know, the praying, the reading the Bible, you know, the tithing, serving others, whatever else, whatever boxes you have created for yourself to say, okay, tick, 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 all right, I'm, I'm ready for whatever, I'm, I've, done my, I've done my bit, now let's get on with life. But I think within, within the questions we ask ourselves, we have to say, so what's true spirituality then? What does it really mean to follow Jesus? Um, how would you define it? What does it mean to be a good Christian? How do we define that? You know, there was once a time when not doing things, certain things, defined you as a Christian. I remember when, when I was growing up, you know, so no smoking, no drinking, no dancing, no movies, or as they called it in those days, no bioscope. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, then, uh, and then in some ways, you know, if you got yourself baptized in lemon juice and looked really miserable, then you qualified. And I don't, I don't think that's what Jesus wants from us. I, honestly, I, my life has been so full. It's been so wonderful. It's been a glorious walk with Christ. I think he wants that because he promised us a life of abundance. He really did. That was his promise to us. So, so how do we find that and not just become people who, who don't do certain things and do others? So you tick your religious boxes and then don't do the other stuff. And so what defines you? Is it what I don't do or what I do do? Or are we defined by following Jesus? And that's the thing I want to ask. So before I move on from here, I just want to say those spiritual disciplines are, without a doubt, of huge value to us spiritually. But I don't think you can just treat them as ticks on your, on your list of to-do things. I, I it's got to be more than that. There used to be a, a you know, sort of bracelet that people put on their arms with WWJD on it. I don't know if you remember that, but it stood for what would Jesus do? And I thought it was a bit funny at first, but the more I've thought about it, actually the reality is in everything, every day, we should be asking what would Jesus do? What would he do in this situation? How would he react in this? So that what I'm watching on TV, what I'm looking at on the media, what, what would Jesus do? If he, was, if he was with me now, what would he do? Because that puts a huge challenge on us. Um, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 23 says this. It says, 
Um, sorry, next one. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything's good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, and then Paul says, but not everything is beneficial. And so, yes, you can do whatever you like as a Christian, except that it's not necessarily what God wants for you to do. I'm allowed to do anything, but it's not necessarily good for me. And if I'm going to find my way in Christ, I have to learn how to be a follower of Him and not just, not just a hearer, not just a, you know, somebody who is religious. So, let, what defines a Christian then? What defines certainly the fact that I'm a follower of Jesus? And what does that actually mean? Well, I think if we turn to Scripture, we, we will find the answers. But I want to suggest that these are the three questions that we need to answer then. How did Jesus define spirituality? What did he say being really spiritual was like? How did Jesus model true spirituality? And what does Jesus demand of us on the pathway to true spirituality? So, in many ways, it's a case of what did Jesus say, what did he do, and what does he expect us to do? Just it's pretty much as simple as that. And he summarized all of the laws Jesus did in Matthew 22, verse 37. When he was asked, so what's the most important thing? He said... Matthew 22, verse 37, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. He said, This is the first and greatest commandment. And he said, A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so we can, I think, we can judge ourselves in terms of our spirituality on the basis of what's your relationship like with the Lord and what's your relationship like with your neighbor. Um, and we don't have to define neighbor. I'm sure you know who that is. Um, how's your relationship with your wife, with your kids, with the family, with the, you know? And these are tough questions. Because true spirituality, then, is not a religious activity. It's not a, it's not a keeping of a whole lot of religious rules or an excluding of a whole lot of stuff that makes me feel like I'm, you know, I've been robbed of, of life. And I, I, want to, I want to say this. I have found religion as such extremely tough and have not been good at it at all. I, I went to a, to a boarding school, a denominational boarding school, which was very religious. And I tried so desperately hard to do all of the right things and found it almost impossible. But loving Jesus... Once I came out of all of that, loving Jesus has been the most wonderful, glorious, incredible experience and just gets better and better as I, as I have learned to love Him and walk with Him and to listen to Him and to live life with Him. Um, it's, it's exhilarating. It's just, it's just been fantastic. And it's so easy to love Him. I mean, he, Jesus is lovable. He really is. I mean, you can, you can love Him because He is perfect in every way. And He's made us one with the Father. Um, he was the one who said, and we'll just read that quickly together, this next scripture, <clears throat> which says, If you love Me, obey My commandments. He said, And then I'll ask the Father, and He'll give you another advocate who'll never leave you. 
He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth, and the world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. So for us as believers, we have favor there. We, we see and understand and know the Holy Spirit because the world doesn't know Him and can't. But you know Him because He lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you, and soon the world will no longer see me, but you'll see me, and since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And then he says in John 14, 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. So at the heart of all of this is the love of Christ, who loved us, called us, introduced us, and made us one again with the Father, whom he said, I am one with, and you are one with, and together we live in, in love. Now, it's easy to keep the great commandment, I think, in many ways, to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, and strength. Loving my neighbor <laughs> um, is not always that easy, is it? It's, that, that's where it can sometimes get really tough. But I have found the more I've fallen in love with Jesus, the easier it is to love my neighbor. And I think that's, that's an absolute truth that for me it's been certainly. Uh, because, let's be honest, being a Christian is not easy. G.K. Chesterton said this. He said, um, oh, why is it going the wrong way? No, missing one. There. Chesterton said this. He said, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. I, I don't think that we fully understand how hard it is to be a Christian. In fact, it's impossible until you learn to love Jesus with all your heart and until the Holy Spirit, who lives and dwells inside each one of us, enables us to do that. I, I don't think it can be lived out by a set of rules, either including things I have to do or excluding things that, I'm not, that, that I don't do. I don't think it's possible to, to do that. It requires too much of us. And, and I, have, I have failed miserably in all of that. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was nearly 47 years ago. Now everything changed because suddenly I had this relationship with Jesus. Suddenly there was this incredible experience of having the presence of God in a very real way in my life. And one of the things the Holy Spirit does for us is He, as Jesus said, um, He would do. He, he said, I'll send you the, the Advocate, that is the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit, okay? And He said, and He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about Me. So he, he testifies about Jesus. He's the one who tells us about Jesus. He's the one who, you know, enters into us. The thing we, we sometimes get confused about is Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's in highest heaven, and He rules the universe. We have life and experience in the Spirit, and they are one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So what we experience is Father and Son, but here on earth, today in the room, it's the Holy Spirit who's present with us. Jesus said, and 
When, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. And He'll not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. And He will tell you about the future, and He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. <clears throat> so when we come together like this, I mean, I'm totally trusting that the Holy Spirit would speak through me to you today. And I'm always amazed, sometimes months later, people say, you remember you spoke on, on this back on the, this date and, and you said such and such. And I think, what are you talking about? And, I, and then I go back and look in my notes and I, and I realize I never said that. But the Holy Spirit's busy speaking to us and He will, he will speak to you today and He will be challenging and, and, and inviting you to a closer walk with Him because that's what he's saying today. He wants us to walk close, closely with us. And I, I thought once I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, all my problems would be over, but <laughs> I'm still me. And I found a lot of people who were baptized in the Spirit were still themselves. And I got disappointed and let down by a lot of people over the years. And so one has to sometimes just love people through that and and then as I, you know, I came into full-time ministry where I've been for the last 27 years, but I, it's nearly 28 years now, I think, yeah. Um, when more and more and more questions started arising in my heart as to how can this be and how can that be? And I now in many ways have more questions than I have answers. I just want you to know that. Um, there are a lot of things I don't understand, and I've got a lot of things, a, a long list that I'm going to have a discussion with the Lord with when I get home. I mean, when I, I get to heaven, I'm going to, I'm going to have a long discussion. But I've also realized that it, it probably won't matter then, because um, everything will be answered. But this side of that is tough sometimes. I don't know about you, but I just, I don't understand it all. I don't get it right always. And I know, I know none of you have that problem, but let, let, me just, let me just say this. There are times where I'm so, so disturbed and I, and I feel so, so uncertain in the, in the sense of that I even wonder if God exists. Now, let me, just, let me just say this. If you're a pastor and you start wondering that, you, you're in deep trouble. <laughs> you, you are, you're in deep trouble. When you start, I mean, where's God, you know? Just think about where the world is at at the moment with Ukraine and Gaza, Sudan, you know, the problems around Iran. I mean, there's just about not a nation on the face of the earth that hasn't got government problems. We've got huge problems in our own country. There's stuff going on all over the world, isn't there? Where's God? Willie Crew had a, had a word very clearly a while back. He was, he was up near us in, in Grahamstown. He was busy speaking and a, and a whirlwind came up or a small tornado. He was in a shed. It took the roof off the shed while they were all inside there. And the Lord said this to him. He said it very clearly. When you see the chaos, look for the harvest. And I, I'm looking for the harvest. Because <laughs> are we in chaos? Absolutely. One of the greatest challenges we have now is to find truth, isn't it? You, I mean, you, 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 can't, you can't look on the internet and read something unless you're in your 80s, which 
I'm not yet. But that generation, the folk were in their 80s and 90s, and some of you may be there, but they, you know, if they read a newspaper, it was, that was truth in there. If, and so when the internet came along, they said, but it's on the internet. And there's so much rubbish and so many lies. Now, I think it's a great place to have come to because all the conspiracy theories and all the lies we've had, and they say the first, you know, the first um, casualty of war is truth. You have no idea who's telling the truth between Russia and Ukraine and who's, you know, I mean, it's just, it's impossible. The journalists can't figure it out. You don't know if the journalists are telling the truth. So, so that's a great place for me to, to, to have come to and for us as the believers to have come to because if we can't find truth in the earth, there is one who is truth. His name is truth. It's written on his thigh. He's the way, the truth, and the life. His name is Jesus. And so I think the world is going to more and more be open to hearing the word of truth because it is actually, at the end of the day, all that we can completely trust. So what's it going to take? I, I think it's going to take a people who become followers of Jesus who hear, you know, hear through his word and also through the Holy Spirit what to do with life and how to, how to live each day. And a people who are not afraid to, to be honest and authentic about their faith. Um, and with my medical background, I've struggled for years with people trying to, trying to do God's job for him, in, especially in, in, in the healing thing, you know, because people claim all sorts of stuff and then it wasn't that. Now, when, when God heals, he truly heals. I have seen the most remarkable, uh, you know, healing um, miracles, really, over the years of people with the most remarkable things. I, I mean, it's, that happens, but let's be authentic about that. We don't have to blow God's trumpet for him. He's, he's big enough to be absolutely you know, able to, to make himself known and to, and to be authentic in that as we should be authentic in saying, yeah, that's, that's great, but, but then why do good things or rather, why do bad things happen to good people? And that's one of those dilemmas, again. I want to say to you, I've, I've, I've got a lot of questions. I don't fully understand why bad things happen to good people. Those of you who know Jean Pinot, a friend of ours who's a pastor in Sedgefield, he's, he was a spiritual son to me for many years in Port Elizabeth. In, in one year, his, his wife, Jean and Tammy, I mean, they've they just been through such a tough time. In one year, Tammy's mom has been extremely ill. I don't want to share with you the story behind that one, but her dad died of COVID in that year. Uh, she developed breast cancer, and her husband was going, to, going on a pastoral visit to someone in Oatswurn on his motorbike and came off fractured his back and was paralyzed from here down. And is at, as we say, you know, right at this moment, is in hospital having recovered from another operation. They're trying to stabilize his back. I, all of that in one year. And they, they are the loveliest of people serving Jesus with all their hearts. I don't understand that. How do I get through 
when I begin to start questioning myself and say, where's God? Does He care? Is there? Because, I mean, we can joke about it, but the reality is every single one of us in this room have had moments when we've said, God, where are you? What's going on? How is it possible that you allowed that to happen? And I don't know all the answers to that. We can, you can have good, glib, you know, Christian or Christianese cliched answers that just pop out of us. One of the hardest things I ever had to counsel, and I sat with a, with a mother who came to see me not many years ago, but she had a daughter who jumped, jumped a, a stop street and a, and a bus hit her and she was killed. And She had three daughters, and the second daughter, she said after that, because she was terrified, she would Every morning she would get up and pray and pray for her daughters for protection. And, and the one daughter was down here in Cape Town, the second daughter, and was raped one night. And she came to me and she said, I, I prayed for her. I've been praying for her every single morning. God protect her. And she got raped. And so she said to me, tell me, Pastor, what, what, what are we supposed to do about that? Who, why didn't God protect her? I said, well, and then we start with our cliches. Maybe she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yes, but I, pr- I prayed. I asked God to protect her. Why didn't, he, why didn't he keep her from going? I said, yeah, but sitting on the pavement with a, a girlfriend at a party at midnight somewhere, and, and two guys walked past and, with knives, I said, they, they, were they not looking for trouble? And she just got angry with me. And in the end, she said to me, if you don't have an answer for me, I'm, I'm walking out of here and I'm never coming back. And she left. And I, I, I just started to weep. I didn't, know how to, I didn't know how to answer her that difficult question. I didn't. Because I realized I've just got cliches. I've got... But I didn't really know why God did that or allowed that. Let me put it correctly, that God allowed that. My sister went to, with her family to Australia about 37 years ago. It's such an ungodly society as far as I'm concerned, and I say that openly because they've turned their backs on the Lord. If you take in enough negative about Christianity, you begin to ask too many questions, (laughs) And I think that's what happened to them, and they have turned their backs totally on the Lord, just completely, completely backslidden. I even wonder, I wonder if my sister was born again. I begin to ask, was she? How is it possible? But she, you know, she used to speak in tongues. She was being in church every Sunday. I just, how does it happen? And then I, I've come to this conclusion, and this is what I want to share with you this morning. You, you can take everything away from me. You can, I don't care what happens, but this one thing I have learned, I still have Jesus. And my relationship with Him and my love for Him. And I don't care what comes and I don't care what happens, but I will never allow anyone to steal that from me. Never. Nobody can take it away because Nobody can take away your experience. And I have, I have spoken to him this week. 
and by His Spirit within me, He speaks to, to me, and He speaks to you. And sometimes it's not clear, and sometimes it is. Sometimes we battle to hear it, and sometimes it's absolutely clear. I wish it was always absolutely clear. Sometimes, you know what he said to me once? He said, I don't want to have to shout at you. <laughs> Sometimes God just so practical. He doesn't want to have to shout at you. Just listen to the still, small voice. <clears throat> One of the pastors we walk with in PE said to me the other day, he said, I, I'm starting to think that God has a voice something like my wife's. <laughs> 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 and thank God for our wives. Hey, let me just, quick sideline, men, listen to your wife. <clears throat> just saying. <laughs> you do? All the time. Yes, dear. <laughs> but, but, but really seriously, and, and God uses, he uses other believers around us. He doesn't speak to us the same way every time. Just be sensitive. But never take your eyes off Jesus. We, we're coming to that. Because nothing can separate us. See, Paul said, I'm not going to put the scripture up. He said, but what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God's for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? Who dares accuse us? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Nothing. See, nothing, nothing that happens to you, nothing that ever goes on can separate you from Christ's love. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Does it mean he doesn't love us? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, Paul says, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Because He loves you. And we're going to be alright, no matter what comes our way. And no matter what happens, He'll see us through. So, let's run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking where? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. New American Standard says it this way, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And I want you to know that as a pastor, you know, someone who's 
try to be a good Christian, try to follow Jesus all my life. I, I haven't got it right every step of the way, not by any means. As I said, I've got my, got my doubts, and I often consider that my, my faith is fragile, actually. I, I feel sometimes challenged when I look, you know, as it says in the old King James, I grew up with the old King James, and I still hear those words, ye of little faith, and include myself in there. But one thing I know, I may not have all the answers and I may not have done it all right. And I may have theological dilemmas that challenge me and you may have them as well. But my answer to all of that is I'm a follower of Jesus. I choose to do that. And I choose to do it through thick and thin, no matter what comes my way. And I will continue doing that for the rest of my life until he calls me home. I'll do it with all my worth. And if I fall down, I will stand up and continue to follow him. A friend of mine who's in ministry had a theologian in his church who was one of the translators of the NIV Bible. Really significant theologian. And as he got to the end of his life, this friend of mine asked him, he said to him, so how would you sum up the fullness of your theology after all these years. And he said, you know what, this is my summary. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's enough. It's enough for us. It's enough for you. My love for him and his love for me and your love for him and his love for you is enough. It's enough to get you through Everything follows that. And I know there are naysayers and skeptics and those who would mock us and say, oh, you need a crutch, that's why you're a Christian and all of that. That's fine. Say what you like. I don't care what you say. Yes, but you're weak. Yes, I'm weak. I've made mistakes. I may not have lived up to your high expectations of what a Christian should be. That's fine. But don't call me religious. They used to call me religious when I was in the medical practice, you know. Oh, you know Dr. Scholes? He's religious, you know. And I, and I hate it. I don't want to be religious. I want to, want to be known as somebody who follows Jesus through thick and thin and have my eyes focused on him. I'm a slave to that, that king, that King Jesus. My, my ears nailed, as the slaves were, to the door. That's, my ear is nailed to his door. I'm a God chaser. And he's my everything. He's my reason for life. He's my beginning and my end. And yes, I'm a hapless, hopeless, helpless follower of Jesus. But I want to end before we just pray. I want to end with a picture for you. There, there was and I, I don't know how true this is, but there was a, apparently a Jewish saying that was like this. If you had a rabbi, and, and as you know, the students of the Bible in those days, you know, if they were going to be rabbis, they would have a rabbi, a teacher. And the saying was this, and Jesus got called rabbi, as you know, but the saying was this, that the blessing that they would speak to each other is, would be this. May your life, or may you, be covered in the dust of the sandals of your rabbi. 
And so what the understanding was, was that you would walk so closely behind your teacher that they would kick up the dust because the roads were all dirty and you would be covered in his dust. And I want to say to you today, I want to speak that over you. May you be so covered in the dust of Jesus as you walk carefully behind him and follow him. May you be totally covered in his dust. Amen. Now, Father, we pray. We pray this morning. And I'm going to ask, because the, the word I, I felt was that we needed to step up. But the first thing I wanted to do, as, I, as we were in worship, I, I, and I realized this word of, you're going to have an influx. And as I said, I think it's not, it's not going to be a trickle, but it's going, to be, it's going to be a flow. I think it's begun, as we were chatting even. I think it's begun. But I, I saw, just in my mind's eye, um, and, and, and look, prophecy is in part, okay? Which, this is not Old Testament prophecy where I get stoned if I'm wrong. Um, I'm, I'm glad, otherwise I wouldn't be here. Um, <laughs> But, but, I, but I, have a, I have a feeling, I have a sense from the Lord, let me say it that way, that you have had in this church the enemy pulled, pulled out the plug. And so when there was the inflow, there have been times, when I think back of what you did when you came to the point and you said, this church will represent peoples from every, from every language, group, tribe, nation, background, and age. And, and I look around and, and we're all here. There was a bold step, but some, some, well, Satan, I believe, at the time, pulled the plug, and most of the church disappeared. And, it's, and in many ways, as, I've, as I hear, this, the same thing from time to time happens, where Satan just pulls the plug, and for no good reason, people leave. Now, I want us to, I want us to come against that now. I think it was a, it's a work. That's what I've, I've sensed. And I'm going to ask if you would, um, Andreas, you and Christella, and Michael and Helen, and, and the, the leadership team. Would you come and stand with us up front? I'm going to get Jane to come and stand with us. And, and can we then, as the congregation as well, and I'm going to ask you all to stand, and then we're going to do something else after that, so don't run away yet, but I just feel this is important. If the leadership team could come and stand with us, and, and everybody else can just stand. And, and I want to break whatever... Whatever works of darkness have come against this church in terms of stealing converts, in, in, in terms of, of stealing those who belonged here. And um, I just saw, I saw the plug being taken out of the, out of the, the reservoir. I just, and, then, and then people leave for no good reason. And I want to break that. Is that okay? Yeah. You, you happy with that? Yep. All right, let's, let's just take hands. Can we do that? And would you just let's, just, let's just be in faith together. Father, this morning as we together, standing in the authority of Jesus Christ, not in our own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Christ, for we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We stand before you because the blood of Jesus was shed for us, and we are righteous because of that. And therefore we stand before the Father 
the, before their throne room, before the power and authority of Almighty God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And we stand here in that authority this morning. And we come in Jesus' name against every work of darkness, every power of darkness, and everything that the enemy would seek to do to not allow this church to grow to its full potential and fulfill the calling that is upon it. And so, Lord, we declare its purpose again over you, that this is not just a good local church, but this is a church that is called to touch nations. That is, as Andreas and his team and Christella and whoever goes with him and Stephen and, and whoever would ever go with him, as they go out from this place, they would influence and impact the nations apostolically because that's the call that's on here. And Satan, you may not stop that in Jesus' name. And Father, we pray now that as Michael and Helen and the team here build this local house strongly, that the anointing that is upon them, that the call that is upon them, that the call that is upon this church to be able to resource that which is out there, to be able to stand strong, God, we call forth the powers of heaven, the angels to go before them, to break every stronghold, every work of darkness, every demon that has come against this church, everything that has lifted that plug out of the reservoir and seen people just disappear down it, sometimes, sometimes stolen by the enemy from their walk, sometimes gone to somewhere else. Some lost the weight completely because of it. God, we today... We stamp, that, we, we stamp that plug in. We stamp it in, in Jesus' name. And Satan, you may never take that again. You have no further right. And people who leave in future need to go before Jesus that he might release them from his church and take them to the place that he wants them. But they will not leave because Satan pulled the plug. And that we declare this morning. That we command in the name of Jesus. And Satan, you will not have your way here in taking away the saints ever again, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. you. may be seated. And, and I, I just want to do something else. Uh, I realize we've gone perhaps a little beyond time, but it's very critical this morning. Is that all right? Yeah. Michael, you okay? We can... Um, it won't be long, but just one last thing. Some of you have been sitting here this morning, and, and like me, you've realized... I've got to step up I, I, in the sense of, yes, I'm a Christian, but I need to be a follower of Jesus. Now, there's no, there's absolutely no studying, no courses, no anything else that can do that. It's a decision of the heart, and everything else follows. And some of you this morning have heard that and known that you've not been in that place. And I... The other word I have now, and that's over your life, and it may not apply to you, but to those who hear this, you will know it's, it's for me. I, I said, there's an influx coming. And I feel God would say to you now personally, step up. Step up. And if that's you, I, I want to just ask you, please come and stand with me. I want to pray with you. And let's trust God for a word for you maybe or whatever else. But... We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.